The reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to him himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John. Good evening, everybody. Uh, for anyone new here, my name is Jonathan G. I'm the vicar. You are extremely welcome. Uh, and we're going to pray as we continue to look through 2 Corinthians. Uh, you might want to have the, a physical copy of the Bible in front of you. If you'd like to see how it fits together, we'll flip some pages back and forwards. Uh, we'll put all the things up on the screen. But let's pray. That last verse, we fix our eyes on what is unseen. 
last song we sang, God, we look to you. We won't be overwhelmed. And Lord, you know all the things that we could easily be overwhelmed by. And we pray that you would come by your spirit. Help me as I speak, help us as we listen. But most of all, may we hear you speak to us through your word this evening and give us your perspective and give us grace to look to you, whatever's going on. So come by your spirit, speak through your word and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Andy said, I'm back from holiday Uh, I've brought back a pink head and a pink face. That's what happens when I go in the sun. I'm a ginger, really, before before the hair hair fell out. I've also brought back a bit of a limp, and my hip is playing up. Um, I think that one's not going to disappear as quickly as the pink head. Uh, I'll be 60 next year, and throughout my 50s, I've felt this hip just going a little bit, uh, getting a a little bit more intense. I've been saying to Juliet, my wife, I wonder if I'm heading for a hip operation. So... Ten years ago at the gym, I'd do ten minutes on the rowing machine, but then it started hurting my hips, so I went down to five minutes on the rowing machine. I don't do the rowing machine anymore. Uh, I used to walk seven or eight miles of coast path, and I'd think, oh, that's just a bit sore. Uh, the island we were on had a lot of ups and downs, and most days I'd think, oh, that's, that's a bit sore. Uh, so I've come back walking with a limp. I'm not looking for your sympathy particularly, it's just... Well, this passage talks about we're outwardly wasting away and we're struggling, but we're inwardly being renewed. And I was reminded when I came to look at the passage I'm preaching on tonight that at the start of the year, I preached about Jacob, uh, who became Israel, who when he met God, God touched his hip and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And I dug out my sermon notes about looking to God and learning to cope with our weaknesses. And I saw that, very naturally, that sermon went to 2 Corinthians 4, the passage uh, we're looking at tonight. Now, one or two of you will come and sympathise with me afterwards, and you say, yeah, my hip's a bit sore as well. But all of us have our different weaknesses or struggles or pressures that we're facing. Uh, When we sing, God, I look to you, we won't be overwhelmed. All of us know what what the pressures are that could easily overwhelm us. It might be a home situation, it might be a work situation, it might be a physical situation, it might be financial, it could be all sorts of any one of different things. Uh, And our passage tonight at the heart of this book of 2 Corinthians uh, talks about God's strength in our weakness. Verse 7, right at the heart of our passage, uh, if we put that up, we have this treasure. The treasure is Jesus in us, relationship with God through Jesus, forgiveness, being adopted into God's family, calling God our father, Jesus our brother. This is the treasure, uh, but we have it in jars of clay. We're, we're clay pots. We're not particularly impressive. And it, the Lord allows that, that what is impressive is Jesus in us, not who we are. Uh, great to hear Daniel and Evan talk about their experience at Betel for a week. They've just described that. People broken in the eyes of the world through addiction, who Jesus is setting free. And that treasure in him is all the more attractive. Uh, And this passage teaches us to focus not on the problems, so not on the hip and the limp, not to focus on the pressures of home or work, whatever, but to look to the Lord. If we just read those last three verses again, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. That's what we're here to do tonight, to worship, to restore perspective, to look up to the Lord, to look ahead to when Jesus comes again. And as Andy said, we called this series, Treasure in Jars of Clay, God's Strength in Our Human Weakness. Now, it's the human condition to be tempted to look on the outward things. We always look on the outward things. um, We're attracted by the shiny things. But God is concerned with what goes on in us. It's always been the way. Do you remember when King David was chosen? Samuel went to Jesse to see his sons. Uh, He meets a really impressive young man and God says no. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said, Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And we so easily get focused on the outward things. But God's concerned with the heart. Now, it wasn't just old 20th, um, Old Testament Israel, not just 21st century England. Uh, Greece at the time when Paul was writing to the Corinthians were equally obsessed by outward things. They valued success, they valued strength. At the heart of their philosophy and religion was the cult of the hero. Whether it was a soldier or an actor or an orator or an athlete, they loved the strong person, projecting an image of confidence and strength. And St. Paul looked weak. We don't know exactly what it was. He talks at the end of this passage about a a thorn in the flesh. Could have been a dodgy hip, we don't know, but it might have been. Some people wonder if it was his eyesight or something, we don't know, but something that was weak. And some people had come to disturb the church, saying, don't listen to Paul, he's a weakling. You want to listen to the strong people. And Paul was saying, no, it's God's strength that's made perfect through our weakness. And Paul points them back to the cross and the resurrection. We're doing this in the service of communion where we focus on the cross again. Uh, so this theme runs the whole way through the letter. Andy started us a few weeks ago in chapter one. Let's just remind ourselves of chapter one verses. Just gonna read three to 11 very quickly, that how the letter starts. We'll just look at the beginning and the end of the letter and see how this theme runs the whole way through. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort which produces in you the same patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. I won't read any more of that bit, but the whole point is Christianity is never, it's never promised that you'll have an easy life. Following Jesus, there's trouble, there's suffering, there's difficulty, but in it, God is there right at the heart of it. Uh, his presence, his strength, his joy. As we were praying before the service, we had a couple of the words and pictures were to do with the joy that God wants to bring to us in the midst of all the pressures we're going through. Uh, The world around us tends to say, and we tend to believe it, that we'll feel joy when we've got all the things sorted. We never get everything sorted, and we can know God's presence and comfort in the trouble. So that was how the letter started. The end of the letter, chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, 
Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh. I was given a thorn in the flesh, something physical, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, I'm not as holy as Paul. I haven't quite got to the point of delighting in my weaknesses. I haven't gone, oh, praise the Lord, my hip hurts. I haven't quite got there. But I, am a, but I do know that the weakness is no bar to God's strength. I may not feel as strong as I did when I was younger. Uh, I may feel a bit overwhelmed by some of the, you know, what it's like when you come back from holiday and you've got thousands of emails, probably an exaggeration, hundreds of emails, um, and loads of stuff to deal with. But it's not my weakness isn't the issue, it's God's strength. And if I'm weak, his strength can be all the more clear. So back to chapter four, our passage for tonight. And let's go back to the jars of clay, uh, verses seven to 10. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here's where Paul was when he wrote this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. This is normal Christianity, that there are pressures, there are struggles, there are difficulties, and yet God is there in them the cross and the resurrection and twice in this chapter I don't know if you clocked it as John was reading it thank you for reading so well John twice Paul says so we do not lose heart he said it in verse one since through God's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart he said it in verse 16 therefore we do not lose heart I don't know if you are tempted to lose heart whether it's a physical struggle that's really getting to you, whether it's a relational struggle, a financial struggle, a work pressure, a lack of work pressure, whatever it is, we all face these pressures and we can be tempted to lose heart. And Paul says we don't because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. I jotted down a quote from um, Oswald Chambers, old Christian hero. He said, all God's giants have been weak people who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them whether it was Gideon, weak Gideon, who God used to lead uh, Israel to get rid of their enemies, whether it was Jeremiah because he was so young, whether it was Abraham because he was so old, whether it was Moses because he couldn't speak very well, whether it was Mary who's just a teenager. None of these Bible heroes were impressively strong in themselves. So I suspect that as I've been talking already you are aware of your weaknesses your pressures the things where you're tempted to lose heart what do we do about that Uh, and I'm not going to go through the whole chapter I'm just going to go back to these last three verses of the chapter therefore we do not lose heart this is verse 16 to 18 though outwardly we're wasting away yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. There's three contrasts. So I just want to highlight those three contrasts. The first one in verse 16. There's outward wasting away, 
but there's inwardly being renewed. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Uh, so for me, outwardly, the hip's dodgy, my hair's already fallen out, I'm blind, you can see that, the belly's a bit bigger than it was a few years ago. It's, it's not going the right direction, really. Outwardly wasting away, but inwardly, God keeps at work making us more and more like Jesus. So we're not going to focus on the outward stuff. We're going to focus on the treasure that is Jesus within. The more the pot is cracked, the clay pot, the more the treasure shines through. I remember as a boy, my dad was a vicar in a country church. I remember a, a family service, an all-age service, where he had two pots. One was really glitzy and one was plastic and horrible. And he invited people to come and choose one. They could have whatever was in it. And I remember that the chocolates were in the grotty pot. And he was making the point that it's not the outside that matters, it's what's inside. So apparently I hadn't quite understood that. But when my mum asked me to wash my hands, I said, no, I don't need to. The outside doesn't matter. You know, it's what I was in. Uh, when I was starting to go out with Juliet in my 20s, my hair had already fallen out. I was already blind, already blind and I was a bit with the outward, wasn't looking good even then. Uh, and the first film we went to see was Roxanne. Do you know the film with Steve Martin, the Serrano de Bergerac? He's the guy with the big nose. And uh, a huge great No, And what it looks like on the outside isn't fantastic. But at the end of the film, she said, yeah, it's not what's on the outside that matters, it's what's on the inside. I thought, I've got a chance. It's going <laughs> to be okay. We don't focus on the outward. We focus on the inside. And the treasure is Jesus. Verse 6 describes the treasure beautifully. Have we got verse 6 there? Daniel, did I give you that one? Up to 4, verse 6. There we go. God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Last week, Eleanor was preaching about the glory that comes as we meditate on, on God's love for us. And this treasure, this being forgiven, the light shining in the darkness, the knowing we're adopted, the knowing God loves us, that is treasure indeed. And even if we're outwardly facing away, wasting away, the, tr the treasure shines through. When we're under pressure, people notice what's in us. The exam season is pretty much over now, I think. But exam season, often Christians under pressure, the treasure shines through and people notice something. Or Daniel 11 talking about Battelle, uh, the new people at Battelle noticing there's something in them I want that's the treasure that is Jesus. Uh, and the inner, this, this inner renewal, it's not automatic. It comes as we spend time with Jesus, as we worship him together, as we worship him day by day. So just to pick up where Eleanor was last week, uh, chapter 3, verse 18. We all, with unveiled faces, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. That's the treasure Jesus changing us to be more the people he's made us to be as we worship him. Uh, so that's the first contract, the contrast. Outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed. Uh, the second contrast, verse 17, is that we face all sorts of troubles now, but there's glory to come. So it's difficult now, but glory is coming. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There are at least three lists in this book, 2 Corinthians, where Paul lists his troubles. 
We've already had verses 7 to 10. We can just pop it up on the screen. Hard-pressed, not crushed, perplexed, not in despair. Sort of down but not out, if you like. Uh, But chapter 6, we get another list. Chapter 6, verses 3 to 10. Uh, In great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and sincere love, Uh, in truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live, beaten but not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. You see, this whole theme of there's trouble, uh, Paul as a follower of Jesus knew trouble, but there's glory in it and God using him for good. Uh, and another list later on in chapter 11, where Paul, these super apostles who said, don't listen to Paul the weakling, you should be more sort of impressive like we are. Paul says, no, that's not how God works. And he talks about his suffering. He said he'll boast in, boast in his suffering. He says, I've worked harder, I've been in prison more frequently, I've been flogged more severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If you want to have a moan at the Lord, that's absolutely fine. I'm Paul can out-moan you. Um, Came across a Christian, uh, Christian leader who as part of his quiet time every morning he has five minutes moaning he allows himself to do five minutes of moaning and that's it it's just a, Lord I'm fed up with this 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 and this okay now I'm going to fix my eyes on you but just acknowledging and Paul acknowledges there's trouble there's difficulty but there's treasure in there so it's troubles now but glory is coming one day Jesus is coming back and the world will be made new And there will be a glorious eternity for everyone who's trusted in Jesus. Which far, if we can put verse 17 back up, please, Daniel, are light and momentary troubles, he said. And when you've had those lists, that didn't look particularly light or momentary. But in comparison to the eternal glory that far outweighs them all, it's light and momentary. Uh, There's a great saint of old, St. Teresa of Avila. I think it was her who said, God, it's not surprising you've got so few friends when you treat them so badly. And and she also said, in the light of eternity, all our troubles will just feel like one night in a bad hotel. Now, that's in the light of eternity. When people are suffering, it does not feel like that. But Paul's got this contrast between trouble now and suffering and glory later. So we're coming up to the Commonwealth Games. It'll be Commonwealth Games this month. Leamington will be taken over. The athletes have been training as they do for the Olympics. We don't see the winter training. We don't see the suffering. They do it in hope of glory. A few of them will get glory. A lot of them won't. But there's an awful lot of hardship and training and suffering for a bit of glory 
in this life for a few that fades. Paul says, whatever trouble we face now is worth nothing compared to the glory that's coming for all of us. And throughout scripture, the heroes of the faith are the ones who put up with the difficulty now. Hebrews 11, Abraham looking for a better country, Moses enjoying disgrace for the sake of Christ. I think this is getting harder for us in our generation. I grew up in the modern world where people would sacrifice now for a better tomorrow. We live in the postmodern world where there's no guarantee it's going to be better. So people don't tend to sacrifice now for a better tomorrow. They say, well, let's just eat, drink and make the most of it now. But we know that a better world is coming, that Jesus is coming. And we are to put up with the disgrace of Christ now, the trouble, for the sake of the glory to come. Uh, that's the second contrast. Here's the third one. Uh, the first one, outwardly wasting away, but inwardly being renewed. Trouble now, but glory later. The last one is the contrast between what we see and what we don't see. Uh, so verse 18, so, Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what we see is temporary. This dodgy hip is temporary. Um, it may get worse. I may get a hip operation. Who knows what will happen? But eventually, there'll be a new body in glory. Uh, the email, which feels overwhelming, is temporary. It will pass. And Paul says, I'm choosing to fix my mind not on what I can see, but on what is unseen, on God, on Jesus, on the world to come. And it's precisely those Christians who focused most on the unseen, who've made the biggest difference to this world. The people who started Batel, means house of God, Bethel, started in Madrid, I think, and so on. They sacrificed so much to start this ministry. They set light to the things of this world in order to start this wonderful ministry. Uh, this is the discipline uh, for you and for me when we're facing trouble is to fix our eyes on the Lord, not on the trouble. Uh, this life is not all there is. Next week, chapter 5, uh, we'll be focusing on the glory to come, eternity. Uh, this life, the earthly tent we live in, this life, our body, our house, is just a tent, temporary. But we're going to get an eternal dwelling in, in heaven. That's next week, so I won't preach that one now. But we're to look ahead. There's a conspiracy in our world uh, to try and avoid death at all costs. Uh, our world sees youth as high noon. Try and look as young as you can for as long as you can because then there's old age and then after that well we don't want to talk about that uh, as if youth is the high noon and we peter out into the night but in the bible it's the other way around we're in the night waiting for the dawn when jesus comes that's romans 13 11 to 12 we pick up that at advent uh, oh, we've got it there brilliantly uh, the hour has come to wake up from your slumber. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. That's in Romans. In Bible thinking, we're in the night waiting for the dawn when Jesus comes. So uh, Andy's had his ordination priest today. Haven't had a chance to catch up properly, but he'll be presiding at communion later. The night before you're ordained, the bishop always gives a charge. Did the bishop give a charge? We'll find out what, he's, what he said to Andy if he wants to tell us in due course. But I remember the night before my ordination, uh, bishop was preaching actually from a passage very similar to this one. Uh, that we're in the night waiting for the dawn. 
So he said, for every sign of aging on your body, for the bald head, for the dodgy eyes, for the painful hip, for the pot belly, whatever it is, praise God, you're nearer the dawn. It's a sign that we're, we're, we're getting there. We're nearer the dawn. I can see a hug going on in the back row, rejoicing that we're, we're, nearer, we're nearer the dawn. It's, um, that's the attitude of the Bible. Uh, and that's where we're to fix our eyes. That the older we are, the nearer the dawn we are, probably, when Jesus comes. So we have this treasure in jars of clay. There's two equal and opposite errors we could make with Christianity. Some people expect everything to be wonderful now. I've come to faith in Jesus, everything will be sorted. Uh, no, you'll be forgiven, you'll be adopted into God's family, you'll be filled with the Spirit, but there's still trouble now. We're still jars of clay, there's trouble now. Others go to the other way, they expect nothing now and it all in glory, but there is some glory now. Jesus is here, he meets with us, he makes his presence known. We're not alone, God is with us, he shines his light. We have treasure. And 2 Corinthians has this lovely holding together of these two things. There's treasure, but in jars of clay. There's light in the darkness, there's trouble, but there's glory to come. We're physically wasting away, but we're inwardly being renewed. So we choose to fix our eyes on what is unseen. Uh, I think I'll stop there. If the band would come back, ready to lead us in our next song, let's stand and let's just have a, a few minutes of prayer together before we sing. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you went through the cross to the resurrection. And that in following you, there is suffering and glory. There's treasure, but there's trouble now. We pray for grace to follow you right the way through this life. To know you, not to be overwhelmed by the trouble. And we pray, come by your Holy Spirit now and minister to us just now. Each of us will have been thinking about the pressures we face. Give us grace to look to you. As we sang, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Come, Holy Spirit, and just minister to us. So let's just be still, be quiet. Listen for what the Lord might want to whisper to you. Tell him what you're concerned about. As we were praying before the service, there were three pictures that picked up this theme one was of wading through sort of jungle sort of heavy undergrowth but getting through to a, a glorious beach and there was the sense that there's joy to come so keep going another picture was of a confetti cannon going off that there is so much joy in store don't lose heart don't give up third picture was of a log that looked dead but underneath there's so much life under there Lord, give us grace not to focus on the outward appearance, but to look to you, to fix our eyes on you, on your goodness. Praise you for your faithfulness that all our lives you have been 
faithful and you will remain so. Walking right the way through this life until Jesus comes again. So as we worship you now, as we come to communion, continue to minister to us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Continue to help us to trust you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.